Welcome to the Working Dog Podcast. I'm your host, Allison Erskine. Come along while I interview the top handlers and clinicians around the world while hearing their stories of both failure and triumph and get their view on what it takes to have a good working dog. So you just have the two client dogs right now or what? Or you just kind of take them as you go? Oh, I don't really train too many. Just? I'm just no short of money right now, so I thought I'd train a few dogs. That's fair. There you go. You got to either make a living honestly or else the way you're a bastard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, uh... John? John, John Wenzel told me that, uh, them, uh, Horse trainers are all thieves, he said, because they steal rides. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty true. <laughs> Guilty. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, well, can, we should get your story, Frank. My story? Yeah. <laughs> Where'd you start? How'd you get to be the dog man you are now? Well, uh, the very first was my grandpa. I seen him do it. And my grandpa, he always had them beardy dogs. You gotta come back closer to the oh, microphone. Yeah, I gotta look for <laughs> you got a picture? Well, I had a picture of But anyways, the very first guy was my grandpa. And then the next guy was Earl Ferguson. Okay. Where is he from? Maple Creek. Oh, okay. He uh, he got a dog from me when he was in PA. Mm. Okay. He took a dog from you. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, I took yeah. the dog up there, and the jail bought it for you. Oh. Oh, right. That was quite a ceremony because you're not supposed to. Yeah. Can't have it. When 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 he left, he broke. He broke a team of oxen over when he was in Bowdoin, mm -hmm. and he broke a team of oxen when he was in PA. What for? Just to drive. Just to drive around. <laughs> but then, then he broke a pair of Keeninas and like crosses. That would be neat. And he actually, him and his wife drove him in the parade in Prince Albert. Oh. And he had all kinds of yokes because uh, the prisoners you know, woodworking shops and stuff, and they built all kinds of shit for him. Really? Yeah. But he, it's on, he says it like there's no comparison to a horse. They, like, they're way, way stronger. Really? I bet. And he said those keen needles, they could really travel. He broke two red angus at Bowden, and he said they walk all day in the shade of a tree. But I wonder how you go about training them things compared to, well, compared to what, horses or... Well, I remember, I remember years ago, like when Rex and Guy were young, they drove the stud horse and the, and the Holstein bull. Hmm. Cause they're both hanging around, not doing anything, so they used like, you know. And they put a collar on it? Yeah, they put, put the collar on that uh, oxen upside down. Oh, so it fit? Make it fit. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. But that horse, they, they said when like, when you spoke to that, to them that that oxen would walk right away, put the horse right back. Hmm. Huh. But anyways, Earl had 
dogs right from the time he was a kid. And he actually got his very first dog from them old Martins or something. Which are the, which, which oh them that old bachelor pair? Yeah, the, yeah. Martin where the Martin Co op is. Oh, okay. Okay. Where that Mumby is now. Mm. But that old guy put on like that old Martin, he he put on demonstrations for the Queen and Oh shoot. All kinds of stuff and he'd work six dogs at one time. How long ago would have that been? Well, I think probably in the forties was probably kind of the end of them. Oh. Early fifties, somewhere's in there. And how did he? I wonder how he got notorious enough to be working dogs for the queen. Well, he put on so many demonstrations, eh? Oh yeah. It just seemed interesting. Like he yeah. could work ducks, you name it, whatever. Mm-hmm. Whatever they had, he'd work it. And then so. And he had a lot of those beardy dogs, and that's what my grandpa liked too. Okay. Why were the beardies more common, or, or like? Well, I don't know. Just some old guys come from the old country and the. Probably. Probably that's what they had when they were there. Uh-huh. I guess. Yeah. But he had both. But... Yeah. I wonder when the Border Collies became more prominent then, or why didn't they keep up on the Beardies a bit more? Because there really isn't They kind of now. faded out, yeah. yeah. I don't even know. Jack Knox said you could still go to the old country and find them. Like, yeah. You know, up in the high country yeah. of Scotland or something. Yeah. Well, I've seen a few when I was in New Zealand. Did you see much over there? Well, uh, Yeah, like I, I owned a couple Beardies over there. Yeah. But um, and they're like they're cool dogs. They're usually pretty big. Well, they they had a they they got me to put that thing on and Jeff got me to go there that time. Mm-hmm. In, you know, in BC. Yeah. And anyways, the second day, well, that Jeremy uh, is married to Keely's sister. Right. His boy had been over at the gang, and he had this dog he used at the gang. And, Anyways, I was at Jeremy's the night after the first day after the clinic was over. I was at Jeremy's and I said, "Well, where the hell did you get that beardy dog?" Right. Oh, he said that. I said, "He said that's not a beardy. He said that's a head and dog." What? They bought it from some guy. He was from New Zealand too, but a guy in BC sold it to him, called it a head and dog. He said but, it was a head and dog. So oh, anyways, no. they, they claimed that dog was kind of a quitter, <gasps> so they neutered him. But anyways, that kid says, well, I said, well, why didn't, he kind of hung out there all day. And I said, well, why didn't you bring your dog? Well, he said, I don't know. These guys tell me my dog's no good. I said, well, bring your dog tomorrow. Well, he turned that damn dog loose and said, well, yeah, that dog's doing exactly what I was trying to tell everybody yesterday. He's just doing it natural. Right? Yeah. Yeah. They said, like, eat like that, that. Oh, they said he won't last very long. He'll quit. Well, he didn't quit. That kid worked him for quite a while. And the guy... It's the cow boss at the gang. He was sitting there. He was sitting there on his horse, actually. But anyways, he said to me, he said, I kind of liked that dog when that kid had him at the, you yeah. know, at the gang last summer. Well, well he'd said, be good out in that like country. Him, but I said, yeah. I don't know how to transplant nuts in him. I said, I wish he had nuts. Yeah. <laughs> but they they didn't, they thought he was no good. I, but I, maybe they, I don't know, maybe they pressured him too much or something. But You didn't get him scooped? Well, he was getting up there and he was neutered. But, right. Yeah. But he just did everything so natural. Mm-hmm. And that's the same thing when I when I went there that first day. Uh, they had three, like Jeff had three two-year-old heifers that had lost their cows and they were from the gang. Eh? Mm-hmm. They had the gang brand on them. 
And everything, we, every day, when, every, or I mean every dog, when we went to work them, they would just come out of there kind of like that ram in an abandoned ship. Yeah. And them guys, oh, well, we got to cut them out of there. And I said, no, no. I said, we're leaving them in there. <laughs> I said, even if we have to use another dog. To, but the second day, you couldn't get them out of there. Oh, yeah. They yeah. figured out as long as they stayed in there and listened, yeah. everything. I said, them cattle would be so much better tomorrow. And I said, some of these dogs will be too. But I yeah. said, them cattle would be like super. Yeah. yeah. So they'll have all night to think about that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's just like that ram. He, when he came here, he'd jump over your head to get by you and stuff. And, and he wouldn't respect them dogs whatsoever. Yeah. But for some reason or another, them dogs picked that idiot out too. Mm-hmm. Good. Then he runs a million miles an hour. So what was the first dog you had and you started out with? Well, the very first dog I ever worked with was my grandpa's old dog when he passed away. Mm-hmm. And I remember in 1961, so I, what would I have been? I was born in 51. I'd have been 10, I guess. 10. Right? You would have been living in town then? Yeah. Yeah. But but anyways, it was dry and they couldn't let the, the crop wasn't all off yet. And, and so they were feeding them sheep with a little grain and grain bale and stuff. And anyways, Laddie, he was holding them sheep back while my mom put the feed out. And of course, I was telling him to go left, go right, lie down, walk up. And finally, that old dog, he just turned around and he looked at me. <laughs> and I was kind of looking at mom like, are you going to give, give that dog shit for trying to kill your son? And she says, Laddie, I wondered how long you were going to put up with that. <laughs> You abandoned me. <laughs> but that was the very first, like, that was where I got the brainwave. And then the next, kind of had dogs, but not, mm-hmm. didn't really know what I was doing. And then Earl kind of showed me. Yeah. And then I read that, they had a little magazine in Alberta there called That'll Do. Right. Like Jack Revere and them guys, Alvin Cop and whoever. Mm. And they were always getting that Knox to come and put on a clinic. So then that, well, the pictures I showed you there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that must have been, well, it was before Jimmy was born, so it might have been like 82 or so. Mm-hmm. 83, maybe. Because Jimmy was born in 84. But anyways, he was putting on a clinic in Alberta there, and then he come to, he come to, uh, to Regina and we picked him up and then and he put that on it. Bob Jensen and and Mert and there's a few guys that got rid of their Australian shepherds right after yeah. that clinic. Oh, was that right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. What was uh... Bob Jensen was one of them. And he got pretty good, Bob. Yeah. He he trialed pretty good and everything. What was the what was your biggest takeaway like from a your first Jackson Jack Knox clinic then? What was the... Oh, just uh, like, well, all the knowledge he had, eh? like, you know, all the things he did, eh? like, the, the even in that book, eh? like, he, he tells about herding them pigs and stuff, like... Oh, yeah. Like, he did, he's herded everything imaginable with them dogs. Which book was that? His book. I, I lent it to that Christopher. Oh, the Hunter Yeah. Okay. But he was just like, well, he stayed there for, I don't know, he had to stay an extra day mm. to, before he could get an airplane flight, but he just, 
he never quit talking dogs and yeah. fed him good and give him scotch whiskey and <laughs> learned way more. Got to talk dog all day long. Yeah. And then he come outside with me. Yeah. You know, showed me lots of things at home. And it was just so happened that I had some sheep lambing at the time and stuff. Oh. Yeah. He, but he was just phenomenal, like smart, smart guy. What and he still is, I think. What dog did you take to that clinic, or did you take a couple? Or well, at at that time, I took that old Mac and Tippy. Mm-hmm. My dogs were actually pretty well; they were really well broke compared to anything else that was there. But you did a lot on your own then before you went and took any. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. But I read a lot too, though. Right. Like that, Marv Brown. He gave me a. He sold me a dog for two hundred and fifty dollars. That big old white dog. Mm-hmm. And everybody had give up on him, but he didn't tell me that. And so every time that dog made a mistake, I'd read this book again. And my mom said she was going to burn it. <laughs> She's so sick of watching me read that book. Must have every goddamn word in there memorized, she said. Yeah. No, why the hell are you reading that? But I finally did get him mastered. Mm-hmm. Like I said, he trained me, basically. But were You, you were working... Uh, jobs with your dog then, like your. Well, thing? I had my own sheep and stuff too. Your, your own, yeah. But. Okay. Mm-hmm. Then did you? When did you go over to Manitoba and? Or that would have been. Okay. Well, I heard a sheep there in the in the late in the late nineties and two thousand, right up to about two thousand and four. I'd oh, heard sheep. I'd on. heard sheep in the summertime and then. Okay. Go work at that horse feed lot till Christmas and then I'd come home. Talk about the horse feed lot, working them horses with your dogs. That's pretty neat. Well, it just worked real good. Well, not many people, you know, do that, I guess. And in those... Well, they think you're nuts. What's different working a horse? Well, a horse is very much like a sheep. They they, they ball up like a bunch of chickens, too, eh? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much like a sheep. Hmm. But it weeded out some... Like, you had to have some pretty good dogs to be doing that. Or were, yeah. Yeah. You know, what kind of job, what kind of stuff were you doing with them? Processing them. And, yeah. Yeah. Huh. And they, like, they, you had them dogs working on their own out back, bringing them, bringing them up. Anybody else back there? You just straight up, yeah. It's me and my black and white helpers. <laughs> <laughs> well, I always find, like, one thing unique about your dogs is that they are so independent and they figure their job out and just do it. Like, you know, you can get them so mechanical and having to be told what to do all the time, but that's one thing I've always known to be exceptional about yours. So how do you, how'd you go about doing that? Like, and you wrote, you ran more together or you, you'd work more dogs at once than a lot of people would too, hey? Yeah, but I, I usually would own it. Like I'd have two real good ones and then maybe a young one. Mm-hmm. But the very most important thing is, is forget about, you know, you got to let him think. Yeah. Everybody will tell you, how, oh, we don't want one of the mechanical dogs, but they're all very mechanical. Yeah. They, they can tell me that all they want, but as soon as I watch them. Yeah. I used to have a, a quarter section, I had some cows, and there was just, there was a great big hill. There's a dugout on this, a dam actually, on this side of the hill, and there's a great big hill. And then usually you'd go down there in the summer and there'd be, them cows would be laying up over that hill. 
And then people would tell me, well, oh, well, could you help me with my dog? And I'd tell them, you send your dog. Well, they can't see no cows. I said, just get him, get him grounded and see if he gets up. If he makes up top of that hill, he'll probably find some cows. Mm -hmm. Well, they'd be, you know, they'd stand there for about a little while and they wanted to panic. Yeah. And I'd tell them, no, you got to wait here. I said, either your dog will come back or he'll show up with some livestock, one or the other. Mm -hmm. See what she does. Eh? And lo lo most times they would show up. Maybe not with them all, but they'd show up with something. As soon as that dog would come into sight, they'd always give him an order. No. I said, well, how did he get this far? No kidding. That's I a good point. Think about it. I said, how did he get here? I just kind of think that would be the last I'd see of that dog. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people think that, too. He'll either come back or he'll show up someplace. But. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, as far as I, I don't know. See, and I think like what Knox told me, and I could see where they got way better situations over there because they got stone fences and all kinds of things, you know. But they they took them dogs out where there was more room. Just saying. Yeah. Yeah. The way I understood him, anyways. Yeah. Did you ever go over there? No. No. I was always gonna, but I never made it. Yeah. But I did. You know, like Glenn Jones, and like I met a lot, and that Forrest Logan, there was all, all them guys were like super, super interesting. Yeah. Glenn Jones was like, well, his daughter, I kind of wondered what happened to her, but you had her in that stuff you give me too. She was right. in there. I can't remember what her married name is now. Yeah, that was that one man and his dog uh, interviews. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't remember her name either. She was really good, like she was over here when she was 12 years old. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, why didn't you bring a dog? Like her dad was judging the big trial in Manitoba, and I said to her, why didn't you bring a dog? And she said, well, at that time they couldn't take him home, and he got on account of that rabies bullshit, eh? Oh, yeah. And she said, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to bring my good dog over here and leave him for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and she might have been right, too. People might have, you know, had that figured out and tried to yeah. take advantage of her. How did those dogs and um, how did they compare the ones they brought over to ours over here? Like people kind of have a well, once that like see like Glenn Jones said once he was here, and that first Logan told me the same thing. He said like I sent all kinds of dogs over here because I didn't realize. I said you know, who would believe the size of your guys' ewes and they fought coyotes off all their life and right. you know. Just like that old you down there when that dog was gawping around, spreading around over me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the same thing. If them dogs, if you can't get them focused, yeah. they're always going to get in the barn. And you get in their face too much and you start losing that focus. Yeah. You get them, you know, they, you see them dogs looking back. And hmm. So like our sheep, yeah, being involved with more predators... Well, bigger and stronger sheep, too, yeah. eh? Yeah. But they, like, one of the very best dogs I ever worked was a dog that that came from Glenn. Two of the best dogs I ever worked, they both came from Glenn Jones. Straight imported. And the one, yeah. yeah. But uh, Dennis Leask imported the one, and the bugger got a brain tumor. Maybe from maybe from hanging out with me. I don't know if he got <laughs> kicked in the head or whatever. Yeah. Too, but. yeah. 
that was kind of a wild story. Wasn't didn't it? Did he go down when he was working or something? Yeah, well he. Well, I tried to buy that dog instantly as soon as I started working. Him. Well, I said even sell me a half interest in him. Yeah. And no, no, he said you can breed a bitch though. So I did end up. I had a dog called Jess that was off of that dog, but but anyways, I had that dog with me and like he did kill one sheep once, but mm-hmm. but she charged him and he just kind of reached up and when she was coming over top of him and he got her right hit the juggler dead on. <laughs> Just like a coyote, there's just four little tooth holes there and the sheep was dead. The, the municipal guy there that would come out and pay me at Carston there and he said, so how's things going? I said, oh, pretty good. I said, I lost the sheep today though. He said, oh, what happened? Well, I said, a dog. He goes, Indian dog? I said, no, my own. He kind of looks at me. <laughs> but, but that dog was like super. And then Dennis, no, he wasn't parting with that dog, so he took him, he come and picked him up, and he phoned me up, and he said, this dog kind of, you'll be working him, and he kind of blanks out. I said, did he, I said, he never did that when I had him. I said, I don't know. But anyways, he was working him, and he was walking back to the house, and that dog let out a yelp and plowed into the back of his legs and pretty near piled him up, and he was deader than a stone. Well, Dennis wasn't that far from Saskatoon. He was up there by Shelbrook. So he loaded him up and took him in there. And they said, well, this dog couldn't have been working. Really? They said, like, that tumor. And he said, they said, like, yeah, he said he was. He said, and they, but he kind of was getting fogged out there. And he said, I was just going to take him back and tie him up. And he let out a yelp, and, but he had a brain tumor. Oh, my. But I don't know if that would be from a kick or... Right. He didn't get... I didn't see him get kicked too much. So what made that dog exceptional? Well, I think he's breeding, mostly. Yeah. What about his style of work? Well, that Glenn had a dog called Balsworth Taff, I think, that he won quite a bit with. He always called him the Taff when he talked about oh, yeah? it. And he was a pup off of him. Oh, okay. And he pretty much had the same... But I remember that Glenn telling me a story about sitting in the old kitchen, you know, over there. And he had this young dog, and the dog was, you know. he Glenn's the guy that told me that your dog's got to work in a cardboard box, not in a horseshoe. Mm-hmm. You know? Oh, yeah. And he made that dog, he'd be sitting at the table eating or whatever, and he'd make that dog go around the walls of the kitchen. Really? And, and hold him out there and take the walls. Oh, He'd be going one way, and then he said, "I'd make him go the other way." As a pop. Because yeah, no. he was—he was really being a meathead. Eh? Oh yeah. Why? Why would he like explain the horseshoe and box situation there? Well, he, like he said, if your dog's working in a horseshoe, he's in too tight. But if he's breaking over his hocks and yeah. he's going square, just mm-hmm. like your horse is supposed to do. Yeah. Yeah. But if he, but you watch. Like Cap, he's a perfect example. He just gets to that corner and chops back. He's like, mm-hmm. where that's where lots, I think, when you get the dog stopping, you should lay them out on them corners, lots. Yeah. So they can see the front. Hmm. And I try to let my dog work. Like lots of times on one side and me on the other. You know, and then kind of learn him not to go to the front unless he's asked. Yeah. Oh. 
big bunch of cows and a long ways to go. It's amazing what you can get done. Yeah, for sure. Like I went, at the time there was 900 yearlings in four sections. And I took a dog that I got him the night before. And he was trying to eat my horse, so <laughs> I got off and talked him into coming over. I put his foot in the collar and he went with me. I had two other dogs, two good dogs. We got over there and I took his foot out of the collar. And he scattered quite a few yearlings, but he did play out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. After a while, he'd just be flopped down there, <laughs> watching, and then pretty soon he kind of joined in. And, and but anyways, it was I wasted quite a bit of time, but I was all by myself. It's only one guy I had to please, and that was me. Yeah. And anyways, I knew that there was, I could tell there was, you know, I thought maybe like 25, 30 head of yearlings way over in this far corner. And I thought, well, I'm leaving them. I can always ride back another day and get them. And uh, anyways, I headed out. Patty, he rolls in there the next day. And he goes. Like night. Yeah. Okay. Well, God damn, I come to give you a hand, Frank. We'll move them yearlings. And I said, well, I moved them, but I missed a few. Well, we got to go to Hazlett and get you some groceries, and then we had to come to Tompkins here and pick up a half a beef. And just so happened they sold beer in Tompkins, so he <laughs> bought beer. That's handy. <laughs> and uh, we head out, and he says, "Well, maybe we should drive over there and see how many you missed." And I said, "Well, I don't care." I said, "Yes." I said, I'd say about 25 or 30. And, you know, I said, I'm just kind of rough guessing. Yeah. I said, I kind of counted him through the gate, and that's what I think I'm missing. And uh, so anyways, we drive over there, and they were at the water trough. It was a great big steel-wheeled water trough, and it was right full. I mean, they had enough water for a few days. But anyways, he goes, well, maybe we should rip home and get the trailer and the horse and come back. And well, I said, why would you go home and get the trailer and the horse? I said, we'll let them two black and white dogs out. So anyways, I was enjoying that Bud Light beer or whatever he bought. And I didn't want to have to ride no damn horse. <laughs> <laughs> anyways, he gets in that truck and he said, well, how fast do I go? I said, how fast do you want your cattle to go? I said, if you want to lope them, go like hell, I said. I said, if you just want them to walk, go slow. You set the pace. We were just about like pretty close to where Steve's yard is there, mm -hmm. and he goes, "Well, how do you know those cattle are behind us?" Well, I said I didn't see my dogs or anything go by here, so I said I, I'm pretty sure they're still there. He said, "You?" He said, "I've been watching you. You haven't even looked in that mirror." I said, "Well, why would I have to look in the mirror?" He says, "I can't believe that." Well, I said, "Them dogs didn't learn how to do that overnight," but I said. If you want to put the effort into it, you know, you can do just about anything. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I don't, like, I don't care. I really like watching the dog trial and stuff, but it's way more satisfying to do something like that in my books. Oh, and crossing, like, when I'd cross them 1,500 sheep on that river, most people can't get them to go across a mud puddle. Yeah. Where Sometimes I cross four or five times in a day. 1,500 sheep on a river? Yeah. Where was that at? St. Mary's River. It'd be, oh... Went across, go up the river like that, cross back and forth. Is that on your uh, Leafy Spurge? Yeah. 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 So you were one of the first people to yeah. do the Leafy Spurge crazy in BC, right? In Canada. In Canada. 
with yeah. sheep in yeah. the open. So tell us about that then. Well, there was an old guy by the name of Frank Smith who run a bunch of sheep out there at Mountain View. Mm -hmm. And anyways, he, he knew Rex Ferguson. So anyways, Rex was at a sheep sale in Fort McLeod there, and Frank Smith said to Rex, well, I was with Rex too, but he said to Rex, he said, you wouldn't know where I could get a good dog, and Rex said, this guy right here. And anyways, he said, well, could you bring a dog up to my place? Show him to me. And I said, oh, yeah. I said, I could do that. I said, I'll bring probably three or four. You can pick out one if you wanted or not. And anyways, he bought a dog from me, and then they, they were like just tickled to death with this dog. And then they got talking, he was on the council or whatever they call him up there, MD or something, I guess, municipal district, don't they, instead of RM? Mm. Yeah. But it doesn't matter, same thing. But anyways, then they phoned me, and I went up there, and they asked me if I thought I could do it, and I said, well, I know I can do it. Then they told me what they'd pay me and stuff, so I went and did it. And that was the so you took fifteen hundred, and you just how did that work? Like how did your day go? Just opened the gate in the morning and came home at dark. And you tried to concentrate on certain areas. Well, they didn't want me, they wanted me to stay pretty close to the to the river. Eh? Oh yeah, yeah. And the Indians was worried about well the white man too. Like I grazed the white man side and the Indian side. Yeah. Oh. Then they would just stay in like a, like a. Um, yeah, they they built me. Yeah, a night pen made out yeah. of netting. Yeah. 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 And would you move the netting, or were you just pretty much? Well, I had an old guy that would move my camp. Oh, okay. He'd come and tear all that netting down and move it for me. Yeah. Old guy by the name of Dale Still. Still. And you just stay in a um, a wall tent or something? No, they had a little old trailer. Okay. How how long? Like how many months a year would you do that? Well, I went there and. I, would start in about the middle of May, and then I'd come out of there in September, middle of September or something. Yeah. Uh, what happened after you left? Wasn't there an incident with somebody? Well, I think they killed 450 sheep or went over a bank on the river. Oh, shoot. How did that happen? We didn't know how to herd sheep, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you told the story. Jumps. It was funny, but it was, yeah, it's not funny, but it was funny. He was at the back of them or something, and then, how did that go? Well, they just pushed, same thing everybody does, you get at the back and push it. Yeah. Like Bert Ingram told uh, Parsonages one time, they are trying to go up a hill there, the six mile. And already said, we just can't get them cows to go. And old Bert Ingram, he didn't tell them, well, you should string them out. He just said, well, already, he said, I've seen longer herds, but I've never seen one any wider. <laughs> <laughs> Bob Black said that was a pretty nice way them Parsons didn't even catch on and he was making fun of them. What about after um, that leafy spurge thing, you came back to Alberta or is that when you ended it? Oh. What did I, I don't know. Oh, I went to uh, Elbow. Oh yeah. On that sheep, that uh, pasture, sheep pasture. What was that deal? Just that was leafy spurge too. Oh, okay. But I was in a PF pasture. Yeah, yeah. Them They're girls, them girls graze them goats there now. Oh, 
It's still there, I think, yeah. But just goats, though. Just goats. They said them goats are so much easier. Why? Well, they said, like, one goat comes out of the trees, they all come out. But yeah. that's oh. not necessarily true with them sheep, they said. Yeah, it's true, yeah. They said they're way, and they said, you know, them sheep, they'll, they'll stick to their own. Yeah. You know, you get six different owners, and they're kind of, you know, they're going this way and that way, mm-hmm. wanting to be on their own. Goats are better on bush and... They're pretty hardy, them yeah. goats. Yeah, they're tough. Once they get going, they're fragile little bastards when they're new. Yeah. Yeah. But once don't... once they get going, they're, you can't kill them then, but up to then you can. Yeah. They don't winter as easy either, right? Yeah. No. No. Them angora goats and stuff, like give, if you get rain or something, you know, they'll die like flies oh when they're, if they've been sheared. Well, sheep will too, though, if yeah. fresh shear. That old guy I took them dogs to in in uh, Wyoming, he showed me a night pen. They penned a thousand yearling ewes in there. They sheared them that day, penned them in that night pen that night, and the friggin' wet snow hit in the night. And when they went to open the gate in the morning, there wasn't a live sheep in there. No way. There's still, like, they never used it again, Ava. There were still bones there, and that was like 30 years oh, when I was there. Last time we were here, you told us a story about you selling a dog to a lady, and she ended up looking at the one in the cab of your truck. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was just at her husband's funeral there on the 2nd of April. But I just told somebody that story a couple of days before her husband died. But, but anyways, I went there, and I had a... It was actually a pup. Looked just like that old Mac dog. It was a pup off mm-hmm. of me. Didn't have quite as much white on him, but... But anyways, the dog, I give the dog as a pup, I give it to this girl in Gull Lake. She, I rigged her up with a horse, and, and then she thought she had to have a dog. She used to come and hang out with me. She was the same age as my one nephew, and then they'd come and hang out with me. So I give her a dog, and then her dog got to bored and kind of got to hurting people and hit, nipping them on the heels and stuff. And so she asked me if I'd take that dog, so I took him back. And then I got it. I got, he was like four or five years old when I got him, but no time at all. He was working like a dream. Eh? I was lambing, and then in a month's time, he was just working like perfect. But anyways, this girl, she's wanted. They were gonna herd their, these sheep along down there by Duncairn, Blake Pelshey, I guess it was. But it, they had some grass there, and they didn't have no fence on it, so they're just gonna let them sheep out. Their own, just their own sheep, and but they needed a dog to pen them at night and stuff. So anyways, I went there and I, oh yeah, well, show me that dog. And I showed every dog to her. And then she says, well, how much for that dog in the cab? And I said, well, that dog's a lot more money. She said, I don't care how much. So I told her and she said, come on in the house. She got out the money and paid me. Didn't even see the dog work. She said, I know that good dog always rides in the cab. (laughs) She said, I know it would be for sale, but I just didn't want to let on like I wanted it right away, she said. <laughs> smart lady. Yeah, she was pretty smart. So you uh, you knew that dog that uh, Laura's dad had. I, I've trained him. Yeah, tell me a little bit about him. He was a pretty special dog, wasn't he? Yeah. 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 He was tied in the dairy barn, in, an old dairy barn in Saint Claude, Manitoba. Yeah. Him and his sister. When I took, I walked in that barn. I took a dog down there to that guy, 
They looked a lot like that dog you got here today. Big, oh, yeah. big like that and lots of hair. Can't remember his name. But anyways, I took this dog down to sell to this. Norman Goulet was the guy's name. And uh, I seen that dog, that jock, he was tied there and there was a little tail he had was like on the rail. And I said, what's the story? And well, he said, that you can't let them two dogs loose. They just raise pure hell and they just carry on like you wouldn't believe them. And I said, uh, how much do you pay for them dogs? He said, $250 a piece. I said, I'll take that male dog. I said, knock that off the price of my dog and I'll take that male dog. And he says, well, would you take them both? I said, no, no. I said, I know the very first thing without even seeing them untied, they need to be split up. Mm -hmm. I said, they're hooked on one another. They're litter mates, mm -hmm. never been apart. I said, I'll take him home and I'll train him and then I'll, I'll let you know. But anyways, I took Jock home and just started using him. And then I went to herd sheep with them guys. Of course, I didn't use him too much then, but I had a pretty good start on him. I did use him some when I was by myself. Well, I penned 500 sheep, like ewes and lambs, in that park in Edmonton. I told that Mike Gillis, I said he was going to buy this $2,300 dog from Dale. And I said, well, why don't you just buy this dog and train him? I said, this dog, like, you guys are going to stay here and putz around these parks. I said, this dog. I said, well, he said, well, show me that dog work. He said, oh, he said, you can't even show me that dog work. That's what he said. I said, what do you mean I can't show you that dog work? Well, he said, if you turn that dog loose, there'll be sheep all over. I said, I'll pen them sheep. Like, it was night and we're done, eh? I said, I'll pen them sheep. I said, don't move your dog. I said, I'll go get that pup and put them sheep in that night pen. And I did. Huh. Yeah. Like, he was just... He just didn't do things wrong. Yeah. And he was he was like an unbelievable thinker. Mm -hmm. Like that time when he came came off that hill and he got these cows to the bog and it was like deep, deep bog. And them cows wouldn't go there. Mm -hmm. They knew they couldn't. And you know what most dogs would have did? They held them right there forever and a day. Yeah. But he hooked in behind them. He, he didn't do it instantly. But I took off because there was a few more cows and I, by themselves, and I took, them up, took off and showed another dog to this guy. I said, we're going to take all those cows home. In the end, I said, but I'll just leave Jock to here. And he goes, well, what's he going to do? He's already got them cows jammed up against that bog. I said, oh, don't worry. I said, he kind of likes to figure things out. And we went over and we worked on these other cows, and we come out that gate, I said, we went and looked, and the cows are gone. And he says, well, where'd your dog go? I said, well, same place the cows are going, home. I said, go up here to the gate, and we'll look and see if there's tracks out the gate. Yeah. There was. I said, we'll just leave these cows. I'll come back another day and get them. We got most of them. So we shut the gate, and we drove, and he was just about to 37 Highway, which was four miles from where he took off. Wow. And he, and he was headed right to the gate. Hmm. And anyways, I said, well, be all right if I called my dog now. I said, you can see that that dog figured out what was going on. I said, I'll call him and get him in the truck here. And we'll let, if them cows get run over across the highway, I don't care. But 
Well, you had a, didn't you have a bet going with that guy that you said you wouldn't say nothing to him? No, that was your dad. Wouldn't bet me. Oh, right. When okay. your dad bought him. Oh, okay. We went, there's a quarter section, and I can't remember that guy's name, but he lived at Jenner. He was a sheep guy, too. Yeah. He was a, like a herd of sheep in the forest and stuff. But there's a quarter section, and where these cows were, it was perfectly flat. Eh? And they were strung out like, there's only like 40, 40 pair in there probably. Maybe not even that, maybe only 30 some pair. Mm -hmm. But the, the west side of it was kind of rough, but they were all out on this flat when we got there. And right here, in, in this corner type of thing, was the water trough. And them cows are strung out. And I said, I think I told your dad I wanted $1,500 for the dog. And I said, when I go, I'll just go, and he's going to leave here. And I said, if I say one thing to that dog before he gets here to this water trough, I said, you can have him for free. But if I don't have to say nothing, you got to give me 3000 okay. He wouldn't do it. <laughs> And that, that other guy said to him, well, do it. You'll get a free dog. Yeah. He said, that dog can't do that. And so anyways, before I sent Jock, I said, so you tell me what Jock's going to do. And he said, that dog is going to go up there, and them cows are strung out. He said, he's going to go around the top, and then he's going to be looking, trying to figure out which way he should go. Well, I said, that sounds about right, I said. And then he said, if he does go back and pick that top up, he's going to bring them all down and stuff them on the fence. I said, yeah, that's pretty much true, too. But when he gets them on that fence, he's going to come west with them. Yeah. But he, he thought, and he said, there's a gate right there. He's just going to hold them cows right there at that gate. And he did exactly. That guy had it pegged pretty close because that's exactly what Jock did. He came down and he thought, holy God, I better not leave these. If I go down and start them, i got to come all the way back here. He did exactly what that guy said. And he just stood there looking at them cows. And that guy goes, see, what did I tell you? And he just rolled over, got behind them. And took them cows right past us. And I said, can I tell my dog that'll do now? <laughs> Grant Armstrong handed me the check. He handed you a check. And he always said he never paid enough money for that dog because he <laughs> eliminated a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> Laura, you have a couple good stories about that dog. Oh, well. I don't know so much stories, but I just um, kind of grew up in the back seat with them, and, and um, I learned how to work stock from that dog because my dad was what you might call a hands-off parent. <laughs> <laughs> so he would he dump me off with that dog and just say, "Do what the dog does." Well, all three of us kids by the age of ten were whistle trained. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, yeah, he was he was so cool and like so independent and like you and told that story about you telling that dog what to do and you were with your mom there. Well, Jock knew we were idiots and he never bothered listening to us from from the start. But when I was like, I was pretty young, maybe twelve or thirteen, and we had all of our replacement heifers. There'd be two hundred plus of them, and and Dad mentioned moving these things over to. Uh, field by uh south of my it was a few miles away down the canal mm -hmm. bank had uh had a bridge to cross and then multiple driveways to get by i'm like wow dad's talking about doing this i'll get started you know me and jock will head out and so and and 
dad, I, who knows where he ended up that day, but he never did show up. And it was just me and Jock and, and we went all the way and got all them yearlings across a bridge and bridge was a bit of a struggle, but we did like, just, you know, take your time. And Jock was just, he was just, yeah, he, he just knew where him. to be. <laughs> he knew where to be. And like, and another time, like we'd always trailer cows south, um, uh, in the spring and uh, there was a pretty big runoff that one spring and I was riding, I think one horse I was riding had 15 rides and then the other one I was pony and had three and I thought, well, if I get, you know, wear out can this you, one, I'll them, switch yeah. them by the time I, well, I switched and then the one I got on, I couldn't, I couldn't get it to cross the, there was a bunch of water and I couldn't get them to cross and Alicia, my older sister was supposed to be helping me while well, the neighbors was about three miles away and she seen their house over there. So she rode off for coffee. <laughs> it was just, it was just me and Jock and these canner horses. And so I, uh, and I goddamn could not get this thing to cross while well, I, we're, so it was about halfway and it was about another five miles to go. And, uh, I want well, to pull up and like, I can't get around this thing. And that it ran for a long ways. And so I was, I was kind of sour. And so I turned around and went, was heading home and tried to call Jock to come with me and said, piss on this project, but Jock wouldn't leave. And, and he, he continued on with those cows the rest of the way. And to tell dad, geez, by the way, your dog's still trailing those cows and your kids are pretty much useless. <laughs> but your dog's still working. And uh, yeah, so that was, and dad would, like, he'd load Jock up in the airplane, as you know, and, and, uh, and well, he took me and my two dogs that time in, at Elking Ferry. Oh, down at, like at Steve's place. Oh, right. On that, that big winter pasture. Or that, that, well, yeah, they used to call it the Summerfield. Right, or yeah. Summerfield name, wrong season. But, yeah. No, he, like, and so he'd dump Jock out. and Like, he'd clean out that whole river field, and he'd fly to Milo for a beer and Well, you see, back. when he first got him, that winter got, well, he got him in October, but he, he didn't really get too brave with him, but... Mm -hmm. He was so happy how good Jock rode in that airplane. Yeah. <laughs> but, but he told me he had 50 cows down in the river breaks and it was so goddamn slippery and the snow was tough. And he said, I don't I don't want to really ride. He said, down in them breaks. He said, you know, guy might pile his horse up and break a leg or mm -hmm. something. I said, well, land that airplane and send Jock down there. Yeah. Well, he said, he can't get, I said, he'll get those cows to that winter camp. Well, he said, he can't. Said there's so damn many oil wells, mm -hmm. gas wells or whatever, you know, roadways. And he said he'll just go into one of them wells and the snow's all pushed up in there. And I said, no, he won't. He'll take them cows right home. Mm -hmm. Said he knows where you and that friggin' airplane are going, and he he he'll bring them cows to get get with you. Yeah. And he showed up with these cows. Yeah. And your dad said he counted them. They were all there. He wasn't one short. Mm -hmm. He knew how many was down there. Yeah. And he said he got in his truck or tractor or whatever. He didn't fly. He drove back. And he said not one cow turned into one of them roads going into a well. That's why he was so good at watching driveways and stuff. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah. He was. Most I, dogs can't, can't figure that out. Not He was just so many things he did that were just. Mm-hmm. And he just, he just did it. Like he, oh, there was. 
I could I could tell you all the times I trained him and I'd be lying because I didn't. I just really used him. Just like I told that Mike Gillis, I said, you take this dog and use him. I know he's just going to get better and better. Yeah. See, he's got one hell of a think tank. But when I was in BC, I tried phoning. I did get a hold of them goulets. We didn't have very good phone service. And that guy just sold that female, but I, I didn't really care. I thought I probably got the better one of the two. He was probably the dominant one. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. But I would have liked to kind of seen. I never did hear what, how she turned out. Hmm. But that was a that was a hell of a good dog too. That one that uh, Ken and Livingston brought me. Timber. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was there wasn't many like he he bred that dog. He was cold black that dog. Yeah. That, that was on, he was off of some female of your mom. Kay or Woods. She there was either a try or that. I think it was a black one. Well then that was Kay. Yeah. Yeah. And she wasn't nothing to write home about, but um, yeah, there was a few that worked. Yeah, he was pretty but cool. Timber dog. was pretty good. Yeah, Timber was good. And was Unfortunately, just... ended up here at the Idiot Twins. But... <laughs> yeah. Well, I know Dad liked Jock because uh, he'd phone you on Jock's birthday. Yeah, he did. Yeah. But he never phoned me on my damn birthday. <laughs> <laughs> well, I put on a clinic at the main there. Right. Laura shows up there. I don't even think it hardly got started, and I was telling Jock stories. Well, no, how that went. Well, yeah, yeah true. You but... said, uh, I remember Jock. Of course, I hadn't seen her since she was there. You were about like Murphy, probably. Well, life. I didn't recognize you. <laughs> there was a blizzard going on that morning, and I I was, yeah, I've been feeding cows in, it was, two, yeah, 2012, worst winter in Welcome to Saskatchewan. We just moved out there, and neighbor. Well, wasn't Scott away welding? Yeah, he was in Northwest Territories, and I hadn't been off the place in like. Well, except for John Deere parts and a chiropractor, because it, <laughs> it was it was bad. It was a real bad winter, and I hadn't even met anybody in the area. But I heard that there was this dog clinic going on, and so I, I said, "Well, geez, I probably need to get off the place. I might be getting a little squirrely." And so I find this little town, and the blizzards just—it was blowing snow. It was, and I was an hour late, and and uh, I get to the arena, and there's nobody there, and so I do a tour of the only street in town and I see this little herd of cattle and this <laughs> short guy following them up, <laughs> up main street and here the cattle had got out and you got them in with your dog there. And then, um, and then we started the clinic and, and then I worked my dog first cause I was, I wasn't there the first day or something and worked my dog and I didn't even, no idea who was putting on the clinic and said, who are you anyway? And he says, well, I'm Frank Willman. And I said, no kidding. I grew up in the backseat with Jock the cow dog. <laughs> and so and he knew exactly who I was. But yeah, that was our introduction. Well, that's quite the dog. Yeah. You were telling about, not that clinic, doing a, uh, well, it was at an old hockey rink, right? And you were at some... It was similar style clinic somewhere else. Yeah, that was North case. Elbow someplace. I can't remember the name of that place. And yeah, uh, would you pend a few? Some guy was saying, well, I don't like that dog because it doesn't bite. And you. Yeah, well, they told me the first day they had sheep there and, the, and they, the sheep had like probably a year's wool on them, but you know, they hadn't been sheared and heavy and, and not dog broken. 
I said it would, you know, I said, really, you guys ain't never going to have sheep. I said, you should get some yearlings, or you're like cows, it was in the fall. I said, get some weaned cows. Well, hell, that was absolutely no problem. Like for the clinic, you mean? Yeah. yeah. So anyways, I said, we'll keep the sheep too, but. Yeah. So anyways, they rolled in there. And they told all kinds of cowboy stories after the first day about yeah. how the blue healer could just about rip the piece <laughs> apart and out apart. Yeah. So anyways, they rolled in there with these cattle and the guy's busy giving directions and and going to back up to the door. But there was a great big area there, just grass around this old rink. Eh? Yeah. And I told the guy, stop that truck. And I walked over there, cracked the door and let them cattle out. Well, they just, everybody just about shit themselves. <laughs> they thought they're never going to see him again. And they said, what the hell are you doing? And I said, I'll just put him in that rink. I said, that guy don't seem like a very good driver. I said, I'll just chase him in there. They said, you'll never get them cattle in there. I said, well, I will. So then I got him in there. No problem. And uh, this old guy, uh, Jim Tlevansky was his name. And he said, uh, you're all, you're yakking to these guys, how in the hell can you do anything with a cow with a dog that won't bite? And anyways, I said, uh, I'll take, I don't know what I use, four or five yearlings. I said, and I'll put them in that penalty box <laughs> without ever biting one or touching it. Mm -hmm. I said, I'm going to use three dogs, though. Yeah. And just marched them up there put them in that penalty box and nobody, and they they, got, they tried to break a little bit and stuff, but the dogs just blocked them. And, and they, they hadn't even really had time to, you know, to get used to the dogs. Mm -hmm. And I put him in there and then that Klavatsky, of course he's half drunk, and he's just watching anyways. And he goes, well, you couldn't do that with cows and calves. They said, you son of a bitch, get in your truck and go home and get some. <laughs> well, he got in his truck, but he didn't come back. Oh, <laughs> but, Ended up when I went to herd sheep at Elbow, he was the manager. Oh, really? He never, he, he like, there had been two other guys herded it there before me, and he was bugging them steady, and he never, ever even came around. Well, that's, yeah, point proven. He's, he's uh, but uh, they had a little trail ride later on in the summer, and this old Donald O'Brien, he said, well, I'll look after the sheep, Frank, and you go on the trailer ride with them guys were riding the wagon and mm. tell stories and drink beer said you haven't had a day off all summer so I did then I really drank lots of beer but anyways <laughs> anyways we got back to them Griffins Scott Griffin and oh yeah 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 back to their dad's place and yeah. Bob and uh, they were that's where they had the big feast and the rest of the beer drinking contest mm -hmm. Klavansky he's Telling lots of sheep herder jokes eh? and trying to really aggravate me. That was the first time he'd aggravated me since that dog clinic. Never, like he never bothered me at the pasture. Mm. But anyways, I, finally I said, "You know what, Jim?" I said, "I'd seen her have a sister in the hooter house and a brother working for PFI." <laughs> 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 well, that was the end of him. Oh dear. He didn't bug me no more. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. But he was, Jim was all right. He just loved to torment you. Mm -hmm. Well, he's still going, the old bugger. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm.
Yeah. Well. Shoot. Time to talk. What are we rolling on? An hour. Hour and a bit. What else do we need to cover, Frank? Highlights of... Oh, you know what I want to talk about is your uh, hounds. I got it on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did have quite a few of them. Yeah. How'd you go about training them? Oh, kind of the same thing as a coley dog. You had to be your buddy. Yeah. What kind of mix of them did you have? Well, the best one, the, the very best dog I ever had, he was half. Everybody always thought those dogs were Irish, wolfhound cross, but they weren't. They were staghound. Oh. Which is Scottish deerhound. Hmm. And the Scottish deerhound is built more like a greyhound. That wolfhound, he too flat back, he can't run him. Oh. But them, them staghounds, they had a nice... Well, I remember we had one old dog called Tuck. She could catch an antelope. No kidding. Yeah. Huh. And the half-grown antelope, she snagged them up just like boom. So how, like, explain how, um, like, how that pack kind of works and um, kind of how you go about whatever, if you're doing hunting coyotes or whatever. Well, you usually you run three. Mm-hmm. You want, you want your throat dog. What was he usually like? Like, what type of dog would you choose for well, that? Well, some of the best throat dogs I had were straight greyhound. Mm. Two of the very best I had. That old Patches was really good. He was part staghound. Okay. But he belonged to my mom, actually. But, mm. but uh, wait, you want that, like, you would like, like to have one real good fast dog that'll trip that coyote. Mm. Yeah. But I had, I had the two dogs, Toby and... Queenie, they were full brother and sister, and yeah. Tiki Miller, who lived up there by the where you are. Okay. He, he, he was pretty close to the matador. His address was Beachy, anyways. Oh yeah. And he had a boy named Asa that drowned in the river. Mm. But anyways, uh, them two dogs. They could run up and take the front leg, either one of them, whoever got there first. They'd take that coyote by that front leg, and when they tipped him, they'd just slide in and they'd come out of there with that throat. Really? Jesus. Just like that. Yeah. So how do they figure that out? Just running with other dogs? Or no, just... they just, it's born in them. It's they just either, red? Yeah. They They're either, red. like, they have to go along a few. But, yeah. But they were, that Toby and Queenie, they were goddamn good dogs. That, that, that Leslie Toddy, mm -hmm. he had a dog called Buttons, and uh, if, you know if the snow's just right in the, you know first soft snow, them dogs can catch a jackrabbit. Oh yeah. Because you know it's soft enough, and Leslie, oh, that Buttons, she she's faster than them two dogs of yours, and I said no, no, she's not. <laughs> oh, she'll catch a rabbit before they will. I said no, she won't. <laughs> So anyways, that Leslie, he sees the rabbit sitting by a hole, you know. Yeah. You could just see the rabbit, like he had a little bit of brown to him still, and you could see his eye there. He's sitting by a badger hole or whatever. And he gets his dog right beside the truck and drives right straight at the rabbit. And I thought, well, cheat all you want, Todd, it ain't going to work for you. <laughs> <laughs> that rabbit jumped up, 
I have two dogs of mine, they went one on each side of that button, his dog's name was, they just went one on each side of her and just pushed her out of the way and they ran up and caught the rabbit. <laughs> oh, them, them fucking dogs, they cut my dog off. <laughs> well, you drove your dog right to the rabbit and it still couldn't catch him, I see. <laughs> uh, what's the most uh, coyotes you can get in a day? Most I ever got was six. Yeah. <coughs> would you run the same mob of dogs all day or would you have a no, most of the time we'd have two two at a time two packs two packs yeah. we'd have two compartments oh yeah let one pack go and then the next guy let the other pack go oh yeah but you could run more most guys like they'd let the dogs kill the coyote but we at that i don't even know if you can buy them now but we used to just take a 22 short Mm -hmm. and just walk up and shoot the coyote in the head, eh? Yeah. As soon as that coyote dies, them dogs let go of him. They know he's dead. Eh? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it, everybody, oh, you're just scared of shooting your dog. I said, well, if that twenty-two shirt goes through that coyote's head and kills my dog, well, I said it might put a hole in his tongue or something, but I was <laughs> 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 And I said, I'm not shooting him in, like, my dog's got the neck. Yeah. The ones that could kill the coyote the fastest was what they called a heart dog, but the ones that would take the chest. Really? But I didn't like them because when you skinned that guy, them ribs were all broken. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You'd be running your hand in there and sticking in the bone. They've got to have a pretty good jaw in them to do that, hey? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, but it was it was easier to kill a coyote by the chest than it was by the throat. Really? How do coyotes kill dogs? Like, I've seen a dog dead from coyote, but it just... Well, I seen one time the dogs had a coyote down. Uh-huh. And he, he down in the bottom of a coulee, and that other son of a bitch come in there, and the very first thing he did was he grabbed that one dog right by the back leg. Yeah. Started hamstringing him. Yeah. And then that dog let go and turned, like, that's them cows, they're pretty chickeny. But they'll have their own mouth open, and they're all mouth when they get humped up yeah. like that. Yeah. Sometimes if those dogs tripped them, too, and missed them, uh -huh. that dog gets all braced up like that. Oh, yeah. Huh. I went hunting with Mike Bogey, and he, we caught like six or seven coyotes too in one day and never had a throat dog. Really? Mike and Chris Cutter, they were the killers. God, that would have been quite the crew. Well, they'd jump out and they'd wipe out. They'd have the coyotes swinging it over their head and fall down and wasn't sure who was going to have a hold of who. <laughs> I said to Mike, how come you don't have a throat dog? Every time I get a good neck dog, somebody bunts him. <laughs> just can't keep yeah <laughs> yeah i bought my first horse off of mike bogey it was quite the deal and it was yeah I on sold paper him, i sold him a team of meals or traded him yeah well no i give him mostly cash he wanted to trade me a real nice big bit that time he said, oh mike's too heavy for the handed for this thing he said <laughs> Yeah. There was a guy there working for him at that time. There was some boys were at home, and then there was a guy by the name of Larry Bird worked there. Yeah. Yeah. His kids are my age. Mm-hmm. And he, he actually, that Larry, he rode down here to Rena Pasture mm. one year. I sold him a lot of horses. Mm-hmm. He had, his wife had real red hair. Right. Yeah, I don't remember her. Remember, she always had her hair braided and fairly long. They, he ended up being a gas well operator there, not too far from Mike's place. Oh, okay, yeah. Because yeah. I remember going there, I was taking him a horse one time, and 
Mike was having a roundup and there was more horses running empty in the middle of the cows than there was guys on horses. I believe it. Yeah. Well, you knew how to Mike collect Well, I seen that old fart one time. This horse has come up around him and he was drinking a little bit. And this gray horse got fairly close to him and he reached out and he grabbed a hold of that horse's mane and swung on him, nothing on him. Uh, that horse took off, on the, <laughs> made a great big loop and come back to the other horses and Mike jumped off. <laughs> oh, he's goofy. Yeah. yeah, he wasn't no spring chicken. He was probably, you know, in his 50s. Yeah, would he? how much older would have he been than you? Like, well, he oh, 30, he was, yeah, he was, I think he was 80 or so when he died. Yeah, I guess so, eh? He but was... he was in pretty good shape. Yeah, he was tough. Yeah. Other than he had that... That tr hole in his throat. Filled it full of... Went seed and oat and got oats and then screwed it up. But... Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You, um... You probably had more head and dogs than more people I'd know over here. What do you find? I always get asked the question. I don't really know how to answer it. Maybe you do. Um, what's the biggest difference between a head and dog and a border collie? Well, I think I don't know for sure, but what I seen they they got. I don't know. They're a little bit more like them guys in New Zealand like. They're a little bit more houndy. Yeah. And but I like I seen there was a New Zealand guy run that sheep pasture out here, and he had a head and dog, and that that thing would back sheep. He'd, I've had border collies jock with back sheep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, but. He was just like, he was phenomenal around him, yeah. you know, like putting sheep down to race and shit like that. Yeah. He didn't do it, you know, he could have did it way easier. He'd work, work the heck out of himself, but yeah. but he could get it done, eh? Yeah. And not not really cause you a whole bunch of grief. Mm -hmm. But all the collie dogs I had that would back sheep, it was usually, they'd be helping me. Mm. And I'd let the wrong sheep go, and I'd call for them, and they'd figure out the easiest way to get there was over top of them oh, sheep. Okay. Oh, wow. Huh. That Tippy and Chance and Kia and uh, Jock, they'd all back sheep. Wow. Well. Dale Montgomery asked me one time, how do you how do you how do you learn them dogs? Like he said, you put you put a sheepskin on a bale and set them on that when they're a puppy and. I said, no, no, never did any of that kind of stuff. I said, all my dogs learned it. They were working, and the easiest way to get there was go over top of the sheep. Yeah. And I've seen dogs that go underneath, too. Yeah, I've seen that a little bit, too, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It, it, I guess um, well, the biggest thing I'd say is if you're more willing to, like like you said, Jock taught you, and I think he did a hell of a job. Because mm. <laughs> you're pretty good at reading livestock. Oh, thanks. But, you know, that that's the biggest thing. Most people are... Mm -hmm. Too busy trying to micromanage their dog. Yeah. Yeah. See, that's just like that 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 aggravation mm -hmm. when Milty eavesdropped there. I was gonna let his kid figure out how to pen them sheep. Because he was going in in last place. <laughs> yeah. And Milty said, Well, I said, I seen you, you rotten bastard. I said, you're busy talking to your sister and her husband there. And then I said, as soon as I started talking to that young guy, you just picked right up. Well, you'll have to tell the whole story so we got con context on them. Well, that the way the pen was, them sheep are the best sheep I think I ever seen. Yeah. This was like probably three or four years. 2019, ago. I think. 2019, yeah. yeah. But them sheep were like wild, eh? Like they were... Mm -hmm. 
but they were more they'd never seen dogs and they were more scared of them people than they were the dog eh? mm-hmm. so those guys are figuring the sheep is going to run over them and they're choked up there at that pen and the sheep would go around the back of that pen and beat the dog so when I told that kid, I said, if you get out as far as that rope will go, mm-hmm. you'll be kind of plugging over there. Mm-hmm. You know, they won't go around that pen. I said, they're probably going to run in that pen. Yeah. And that's exactly what they did. Yeah. And Mert, I mean, Melt and, and his boy were the only two that penned them. Like, I think it was the top five. Yeah. At the end there. Yeah. And I think it was only two or three guys got to pen the, yeah. in the first go. Oh, really? Well. Huh. And then it was down to the final five. Mm-hmm. And they both got him penned. And Dale Montgomery and that, I think that Jamie Gardner might even have a dog that made the finals, but they never picked up no, on that. No, <laughs> But yeah. it didn't look right because those sheep were so wild. Like they, they all thought, well, they'll just run under yeah. that rope. Yeah. But when they knew when they run under that rope, they were just running into a corner. Yeah, right. And But they were getting away going into that corner. Mm-hmm. When that guy was choked up here, they had enough room to go behind him. But when you're out there far enough that you're kind of, and they thought, well, we'll just duck in here. Yeah. I said, I think it'll work. I said, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I said, I watched all, you know, all morning here, and I said, I'm pretty sure. Of course, that kid, he went out there and he said, I, I thought that. I wonder if that old guy knows what he's talking about. But he said, what have I got to lose? And he said, they poof, they went right in. <laughs> and he said, of course, Dad. And then of course, when Melty penned his, he for fucking text uh, Crystal. And, so tell that old guy behind you there that I'm happy he's learned me how to pin me. <laughs> oh, Milt. That's funny. Well, we always ask everyone this when we interview them. What was your proudest moment with the dog? With the dog? Oh, I don't really know. Can't narrow it down? No. Well, I think the proud, probably the proudest, the, the most biggest thing I think was the time when I Curled that 700 and some head at McKnight's with right. three dogs. Yeah. Well, there was another rider and one dog, but he was leading his horse and his dog was played over. <laughs> when we got going in the gate. But. Yeah. Yeah, that is, those are the best when you get a job done, hey? And that's, that was pretty impressive. Cause yeah. Patty said we got them all, and I said, well, I know I spilled some, so we didn't get them all, Patty. Patty was putting along on his bike. Then he pulled right up there and told the Indian that he was sure. Indian that had the hair wore right off his back. I'd been on that horse for 45 days straight waiting for Patty to bring me another horse. And he says, he, he rides up there on his bike, which he'd been on all, all spring, I could guarantee. He hadn't been on his horse. <laughs> and he puts right up there, and here's poor old Indian. You could just lift the corner of the blanket up there, and the hair was wore right off Jeez. his back. And he says, well, Indian, you're sure lucky you're up here with that Frank, he said, he pretty well rode them horses to death at home. <laughs> I said, you fucking bullshitter. I said, this horse has made more miles than all your horses put together. <laughs> I said, how could you tell that old horse that? Stand there and lie to him like that. jeez. <laughs> uh, and that and that time when me and him moved those heifers. Which ones? I think we, I, I can't remember now. When we must have moved the, the steers. No, we moved the heifers through the steers. Through the steers. Yeah. Yeah. And anyways, 
Patty told me right when I very first went to work for him, the very first thing he told me was that the, you can't string them cattle out far enough. The farther they're strung out, the better. And I said, oh, I can string them out, don't worry. And uh, anyways, he was totally panicked. We had to come across some fall rye. It was on his fall rye. I mean, it, the guy seeded it for him and whatever. Mm -hmm. But, well, I don't want him wrecking that rye. I said, they can all run across there once, and they're not, they're not staying. They're not going to hurt it. Mm -hmm. But he ripped around and tried to roll his bike and ripped up more crop than we could have. <laughs> no, no way he could have did the damage he did if you'd have just let him go across. <laughs> and anyways, I said, well, you go move stuff out of the way and open the gate. Mm -hmm. So then anyways, I had uh, Jim and, and Jess, my old Jess dog at the back, and... Uh, I might have had sweep too, I'm not sure. but And then I had a young dog with me. But anyways, I just left them at the back and I took off, and kind of watching to see what Patty had accomplished. And I see him sitting on a hill and there's some cattle starting to get up to the gate and trickling through the gate. And, and uh, anyways, I lopes up there and he goes, well, what the fuck are you doing here? Oh, I said, I'm kind of checking up on you. <laughs> said, I thought maybe you're sleeping. And he goes, well, what's going on? Well, I said, not too much that I know. I said, when them two dogs or three dogs, whatever I had, I can't remember for sure. I said, when they go by, you just tell them that'll do and close the gate. <laughs> he says, well, they'll be fucking losing cattle back there. I said, no, they won't. <laughs> I said, I wouldn't have left them back there if I thought they were going to be losing cattle. And he goes, well... Can I go back and look? I said, well, don't get don't get in around them and interfering with them. <laughs> I said, you can go back and look, but don't fucking get too close. And he goes back. And anyway, so then I sat where he was sitting. <laughs> and when the last of them come through, he says, I can't believe that. <laughs> and I said, well, did I have them strung out far enough? <laughs> I said, I think you thought I had them strung out too far, Patty. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Bobby said I could trail him to town, and if lost there was water, I could make make him gain weight. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, me and Bobby, I like working with Bobby. Oh, yeah, he's pretty good. He'd go taking off in a high lope once in a while, and then he'd slam the brakes on. He'd say, oh, I always forget you got them damn dogs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One time we had a cow upside down, too. And I went, and I just took off and got the tractor and come back and hooked her up chains on her and lifted her out of there and he said you know me and Patty probably would have went berserk and that cow would have ended up dead by the time we got done ripping the chair. <laughs> That's pretty likely. <laughs> so we'd been screaming and hollering at one another. Oh yeah. Hell of a Jeez, those guys are but, fun. Well yeah. but I did like Bobby. Mm -hmm. He was Patty he'd get going 100 miles an hour and then all of a sudden he'd just up and probably leave mm -hmm. or say to hell with it. Yep. Yeah. Let them mix back up or do whatever. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't worked with Pat as much. But... Bobby, he seemed like when he come, I, we always stuck to what we were doing. He finished it. Well, Bob would, he'd get me on his, he's like, geez, Laura, are you kicking around? I'm like, yeah. So I just got, got a couple head to brand in the, just a few cows. I got to go out to the lease. I got to brand them. I'm like, oh, yeah, I can swing over there and. He's like, it's like 40 head. It's no big deal. I'm like, yeah, all right. Like, How many horses do I bring, Bob? Well, whatever you got. I'm like, okay, good. Or 
but I might have one for you to ride too if you don't want to. You know, I'm like Bob, it's okay. I'll bring my own. <laughs> oh yeah. So you go there. Safety. Up. And you get there like he says, you know, seven eight o'clock or whatever. But you know damn well they're starting at daylight. So I get there about a half an hour later, and they got these cows coming, and we get them. And I'm like, God, there's a lot of cows here. Like, I wonder which forty head we have to brand. Yeah. <laughs> so we start working and pulling pairs out, and and uh, turns out we had to. They were kind of last calvers that were going to the pasture, and we had to pair them out, process the calves, and then brand the cows. But in order to do that, we had to sort through, it was like 3,000 head. <laughs> so, so, oh, so, but God, you know, we got it, like, got through them, and we ended up processing, like, just flat ass and calves with Mennonite and some girlfriend he had around at the time, and, like, it was all the help you had. And, but we worked through them all, and, uh, and we're done by two o'clock and had wheels under them and you know trucker might have got cussed a little bit but that was the worst of it and you <laughs> got a lot of cattle work that day and then i remember my my father-in-law had some like 10 head of late calves to brand after like, well that's fine to go on over there well it damn near took the same amount of time to do those late calves over there than it took to work that whole couple thousand head of bobbies and yeah he's incredible Eye for cattle, yeah. Anyway. Well, I heard he won some award in the states. Yeah, uh, national cattle person of the year or something. North American cattle per- cattleman of the year. I don't. Yeah, yeah, it was a pretty pretty amazing thing. But, yeah. Anyway, off the dog topic slightly for a second, but. <laughs> well, Bobby liked dogs too. Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. He told me the very first time he seen my dogs, he. T- I was coming to a gate and him and Patty were coming and they were panicked that these yearlings were going to go by the gate and they're coming like hell with their truck and same time they showed up pretty near about the same time as my dogs yeah and then I guess Bobby said oh better stop Patty them dogs are coming and then anyways when we got home we were having supper he said Jesus that Patty I thought he's going to run over your dogs there I said yeah I was a little nervous too <laughs> he said I told him Frank of course Patty's sitting right there he said I told him you probably just as well to stay away and let that guy do it by himself. He'd probably just get in the road. But that's, that just irritated that patty. That was the last scene. Yeah. But, yeah. But Patty did tell a lot of good stories. Oh, yeah, he they're entertaining. Them a little bit. No, they're fun. He, he thought that he tells stories about some of the things they did, but mm-hmm. it's way better when he tells it. No, yeah. Well, they're good storytellers, but... Well, and, uh, yeah, well, thanks for telling your stories today, and there, I don't know anybody else who's probably worked as many uh, uh, dogs as you have in, in a working situation with sheep and cattle, and maybe well, I, living with them. The, the, time I, uh, the time I took them dogs to Idaho, mm-hmm. to that old Curly Francis. Then when you were selling those ones, yeah, and you made a bet there too, didn't you? Well, I couldn't figure out why he told me. He said, "He said, well, could you?" He bought the first dog he bought from me. He bought a dog called Parker. But anyways, uh, he just met me in Missoula. Mm-hmm. That was about halfway. He lived at Grangeville, Idaho. Mm-hmm. But anyways, I went right to his place. And he told me. He said, "I got some cows on the meadow here." He said, "Cows and calves." He said, "And I want you to work them cows and calves." bring them dogs down here. He said, I want two female dogs. He said, you bring them dogs down here. 
He said, if they're good, I'll buy them. And I said, so when I got there, he said, well, do you want to ride? He said, we can ride down there in 12 miles, but it's 27 miles by trucking. And I said, well, I don't, I don't really want to ride. I said, uh, I got, you know, I got to get, show you these dogs and get out of here. I got a long ways back to Canada. Yeah. And I had, I think I only had like two days or three days off or something. I had to be home to work on the rig. But anyways, uh, I said, be all right if I sent my old dog with his pup. I said, I'll just send one pup and an old dog if that's all right with you. Well, you do whatever you want, he said. I said, you just put them cows in this corral. I think there was 14 pair. Eh? So anyways, I gathered them up, put them in the corral. And we were, I wasn't on a horse or nothing, I was on foot. And they were wild. They were like, I didn't get anywhere near them because they were eyeballing you pretty good. And I put them in the corral. And then he said, now you just let them go and show me that other dog. I said, it's going to be pretty easy for that other dog because they've already been in there once. So, but anyways, he said, I'm going to buy both of them dogs. He said, I'd like to buy that old mama dog there too. He said, she can sure bend them old mama cows around. And I said, no, can't have her. I said, I said she belongs to my kid or otherwise I'd sell her to you. But I'd be a little sad when I got home if I didn't bring her back with me. Okay, I said, I guess I could tell him a cooler daughter or something. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, but anyways, he took them two dogs. Eh? But and, he, and anyways, I said, so... What was the big deal about that curly? He said that one cow. He said there was twelve cows on her calf, oh. and I shot one and eleven ran away. <laughs> he said every one of them cows when I put them on that meadow they were fighting cows like you wouldn't believe. Oh well. And he said you curled them cows and not one cow bellered. Yeah. He said that's pretty impressive. Yeah. He told me he told he always told me that he was kind of like Ken. He he always told me he said that. You know, every cowboy should spend some time with a sheep herder. I can see that. He said. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. That's what I told them guys in Red Bluff that time too. Can was you, that in the beginning, the uh, earlier the years? Last time, the, the last, last time. The last time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You went down there and sold a couple dogs. I three years I've been. Yeah. yeah. Stuff going. Well, yeah. I got in trouble with the law. I got in trouble with that kind of stuff. <laughs> Sometimes they interfere with my lifestyle. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Fun sponges. But I can go now again. Oh, that's good. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. I'm not sure I can get across, but... Oh, well. Anyway, before we get too off topic of the dogs, I guess we can close this up. <laughs> well, thanks, Frank, for your time. Yeah. Can't dazzle them with brilliance, baffle them with bullshit. Yeah, that's right. Oh, <laughs> uh, no. Real good. <laughs> so that's the easiest way no yeah no the only thing i know is you got to get more of them old style dogs back